Most of us probably are familiar with that image or at least have an idea of what that means and of who that's referring to. We talked about in the song we just sang that we stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene. We stand amazed by what he had done. We see all that he had accomplished in his life and we say that's amazing that he was able to do that. And the reality is, as Christians, this is the greatest figurehead. He is the greatest figurehead of everything that we do. So this morning, I would like us to consider a specific idea. I would like us to consider the idea that we are Christians in Christ alone. In Christ alone. Now, many of us who have been to different youth events, singings, or really at many kinds of devotional events are probably familiar with a song by that title. And it starts off, in Christ alone, my hope is found. And is that not a great message to be able to share to the world? To be able to say, in Christ alone, my hope is found. You can have hope in this day and age that seems so hopeless. It seems like there's nothing worthy of your time, nothing worthy of value anymore. But he is. He is worthy of our time. He is valuable for us to pay attention to because of what he's been able to do. And so this morning, we're going to break down this idea of in Christ alone, and we're going to see different characteristics of this. First of all, let's notice, in Christ alone, I am free. I am free. Just a few weeks ago, we were able to celebrate the 4th of July, a time in our nation's history where we can celebrate the freedom that we have and the abilities that we have to go about our daily lives without really much fear of persecution. Now, some might like to say that we're more oppressed than others, but the reality is if you go look across the globe, it's very difficult to find a place that can compare to where we are. Now, this is not an America sermon in saying that we're just this, the most amazing nation on the face of this earth, but we do have a lot of blessings here, do we not? A lot of things we can be thankful for because... Many places don't have even the blessing we have right now. In some countries in Europe, there are Christians this very morning who are worshiping and they're not allowed to open the windows. Why? Because there's a law in their country that says if they open those windows, then their singing is going to be too loud and the police will be called on them. Now that's a mild case of difficulty. But we don't have to worry about that. But more than just being free to do what we're doing... We are free because we had a death sentence. At one point in time, every single person in this room, this was our fate. Sin was a death sentence that was barring us from the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, Isaiah writing for the Lord here, he says, My hand is not shortened that I cannot save, neither is ear heavy that he cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hid his face that he will not hear. Imagine being in that position where I'm completely separated from the Lord to the point where even if I cry out for help, He's not there. Not because He moved from me, but because I severed that relationship with Him. I broke that relationship with Him. He set the boundaries for me. He said, if you cross beyond this line, I can't help you. And we said, watch how many steps I can take. And then before long, we realize just how separated we are from God and how we do not have that access to Him. 
That's a heartbreaking place to be. That's the exact premise of Isaiah chapter or Psalm chapter 51, where David is writing, Create in me a clean heart, O God, to renew a right spirit within me. See, David understood that the sins he had committed separated him from God, and he wanted that back so bad. He wanted to come home. Because he knew what it was like to have the Lord in his life. He knew the abilities that he had with God. But without him, he was alone. He knew what the Lord had done to protect him throughout his life. With the bear and the lion, all of those difficulties he had faced, the great Goliath he had defeated. All because God was on his side. See, David had no illusions that he was the one who did all of that. David didn't have any illusions that he said, man, did you see how well I slung that rock? David understood it was God that delivered Goliath into his hand. And he understood that when he committed that sin with Bathsheba and he had separated himself from God, that he was alone in every sense of the word. But in Christ, I can be free. See, we are no longer in bondage to sin. We have been removed from that. The gift of God that He has given us is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's exciting. Now for us, maybe it doesn't sound, maybe we don't quite grasp what all that means, but do we realize we have no concept of how long eternity is? Because eternity is beyond time. Right now, we all have time limits on everything we're supposed to do. We have time to be here. We have a time to be at work. We have a time to go to school. We have a time to be at dinner. We have a time for this, time for that. And some people say, man, you know how amazing it would be if we didn't have time schedules? And then they realize that if they didn't have time schedules, that nothing would be on their table. <laughs> But eternity is beyond all of that. There's no concept that we have of how long that is. But we can be free from this bondage. Free from those sins that cause us guilt and shame and fear. I don't have to worry about that anymore because of Christ. Not saying that I don't have to be concerned and watch about how I live because I can make mistakes, I can stumble, I can fall, but because of Christ, I don't have to be afraid of sin. I don't have to be afraid that the next time I slip up, it's all over. Because I know I can keep coming back to Him. I can keep making that right. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the promise He has given to His children. The world doesn't have that. The world can't just come to the end of their life and say, Lord, please save me, and it's going to work. Why? They never had a relationship with Him. They never became a member of the Lord's church. They never did what was necessary, the steps that were necessary to even become one of His children. So what makes them think He's going to make an exception? See, as Christians, we understand that it is by Christ we have access to all of this, by His sacrifice. The image that we saw just a few moments ago, that was part of the blessing that we have. A horrible instrument of pain and suffering brought about eternal salvation. Because Jesus was willing to go to that cross. 
He was willing to die for you and for me so that I don't have to be concerned. But I can put my trust and faith in Him. See, Christ offered a better way for us. Let's look at the book of Galatians, please. Galatians chapter 5. That's Galatians chapter 5. Here, Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, and immediately he starts off with this idea. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. Now here, Paul is dealing with an issue that the early church struggled with repeatedly, which was this move to go back to Judaism, to go back to the old law, to say, well, you know, we understand Christ is here, but we also know that the old law was pretty nice, and that was what we were used to, and so obviously if we keep the old law, we'll be doing what God said too, right? Neglecting the fact the entire book of Hebrews is teaching us that we have removed that old law. We are now living under the new law of Christ. Because he died on that cross, he fulfilled the law. He fulfilled every aspect. But what he's telling them again is you're being yoked again with bondage of this old law. If they had continued to follow the old law, they would be in violation of what God had asked them to do. Therefore, they would be living in sin. They would be going back under that life that has no reward. In fact, what he just said there, he said, if you become circumcised again, if you go back under that old law system, there's no profit there. There's no salvation, no remission of sins. He said, but if you continue with Christ, you can stand fast in the liberty. Liberty. That's a word in our country that's probably said more than most. Patrick Henry, back in the late 1700s, made a statement, give me liberty or give me death. And God says that's the only options you have. You can have liberty, freedom from sin, from the awful consequences of it, and have liberty, true liberty. See, Christ has offered us freedom from that life, freedom from that life that was going to condemn us, was going to destroy us, But we have this opportunity now through His sacrifice that we can follow after Him. You see, our previous life was completely opposed to the Lord, completely separated from Him. Let's look at the book of Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 2. It's Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, And you He made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. But notice this, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Christ saw us in a sinful state, in a place where we could not come to Him, and He says, I'm offering you a choice, a way out. 
He says, before you had no opportunity for that, your life was completely separated from him. But he made that path available for you and for me. So yes, in Christ, I am free. I have freedom from this world. But I'm also secure. Secure in Christ. That image is probably one that we're fairly familiar with. That's the Great Wall of China. One of the only structures on earth that you can actually see from space. That wall was built to secure a nation. To hedge it in, to protect it from invaders, to protect it from people who were trying to destroy their way of life. Those who were trying to stand against everything that they were. In Christ, we are secure. We have protection, but protection from what? See, first of all, God has given us a strong foundation, a firm foundation. If you were trying to build a house, we have a couple builders in here, those who know what this means. If you don't have a foundation, how good is that structure? If today we found out that the structure under this building was faulty, we probably wouldn't be here much longer. If the structure is not secure, it cannot hold together. Christ offers us a foundation, something by which we can stand on. Let's look at the book of 1 Corinthians. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul writing to the church in Corinth here, starting in verse 10, he says, According to the grace of God which was given to me, a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Friends, if Jesus Christ is not the foundation of everything that we do, we are wasting our time. What good is what we're doing here today if Jesus Christ is not the foundation? It's wasted. It's wasted time. We all got up this morning for nothing. Because He is the only path. He is the only path we can follow. In Christ alone we have security, not in any other. If I put my trust in men, what happens? Men make mistakes. People falter. People fail. If I put my faith in an idea that's never been proven, well, it's never going to be proven. <laughs> so many people want to hold to ideologies or their own idea of what morality should be. And friends, none of us have that figured out. None of us can just sit down and think enough that we can come up with the perfect society because what's good for one person might not be for another. Jesus Christ is the only path that is good for all. You ever thought about that? Now, some might say it's not good for me because it makes me have to change my lifestyle. It's not good for me because I might have to lose some friendships. We put a lot of stock in pleasing people who are bad for our lives. We put a lot of stock in care and comfort in trying to make everyone else happy. When Jesus himself said he came not to bring peace but a sword. Jesus understood that what he taught was going to divide people. Not because that's what he wants. We understand 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus would be thrilled if everyone was able to come to the same place and all were able to worship Him. But He knows that's not going to be the case. Why? 
because He gave man free choice. He gave man the ability to decide for himself what he's going to do. And many will choose not to follow him. But he offers a firm foundation. He offers a place where we can start. But if we're not secure here, then we're not going to be secure in any other idea. There are far too many congregations of the Lord's church who have missed this step. Yes, they might talk about important things. Yes, they might be gung-ho for evangelism, but they've never secured the foundation. And friends, those congregations will lose. They will lose. Because if we can't agree on the same authority, then it becomes what I want or what you want. It becomes elders versus congregations, preachers versus elders, Deacons versus elders, it doesn't matter. It's going to be a, di a division and a fight because we don't have the same authority. We have to secure our foundation. That's what Christ offers. But He also offers security from sin. We just discussed in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins, He is going to forgive us for those things. That's a promise that He has made. It says He is faithful and just, which I find an interesting combination there. Faithful, committed to. He's not going to back away from that. Just. He's doing it because that's what's right. He's not making an exception for you and for me. He says, this is what's right to do. This fulfills his justice. He offers us security protection from sin. The world likes to make us think that's not true. I'm reminded of the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 30, chapters 36 and 37, we read of an account of a king named Hezekiah. And Hezekiah was protecting the city of Jerusalem or trying to against the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire comes to him and says that your allies don't matter. Your gods, well, your king has destroyed your gods. He's torn down your idols and you have no one left to protect you. He says, Hezekiah is trying to fool you. He's trying to make you think that he can protect you from us, but he can't. Doesn't the world try to tell us the same thing? The world tells us constantly that's a Bronze Age book that has no value. You know what we can say? Because you don't understand the God you're talking about. You don't understand the book that you're ridiculing. You don't understand the position that you're in. People like to try to make fun of what we do here, but is their life any better? Do they have something that's so much more valuable? The life that they live has a lot of consequences. This life was never meant to be easy, but God offers us security from it. Not to make our lives easy and comfortable, but to give us what we need. To give us the things that we need. And you see, this promise comes from a God who cannot lie. That's Titus chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 in particular. This God cannot lie. Think about that for a moment. Cannot lie. He does not even have the ability to do that. And He's made promises to you and to me. So the question is, am I going to put my trust and confidence in Him? He's made the promise. What will I do with it? He chose us to be saved. Now, it's not that he sat down in heaven one day and looked 
upon the entire world and said, okay, Josh Kennedy's going to be secure. But he did look down from heaven, see mankind in sin, and made a promise he was going to deliver them. He made a promise they were going to have a place they could go. And that's the church. The church, the kingdom that he promised, the kingdom that he was going to establish, the kingdom that he had the authority over. The phrase in Ephesians chapter 1 in particular that he uses was predestined. Predetermined. Known before. That's an amazing thought. Amazing that God looked down from heaven, he saw throughout the passage of time that there was going to be a particular situation where this kingdom could come about. Where the time was going to be full. The situation was going to be perfect. The Savior was going to come. He was going to be that sacrifice that had been made, the promise that had been made from the very beginning. And that's the kingdom that you and I are a part of. The church. In Christ, I am safe, I am free, and I am secure. But more than that, in Christ alone, I am home. In Christ alone, I am home. That image there, you might can see it from the back, but it's of a family. And many of us have heard definitions of home, and I tried to look up the, a slide for home or an image of home. The vast majority were houses. That was the vast majority of the images was of a house. But really, that's a home. Not the house, not the building that you're in. Home is the family, the group that you are a part of, the place where you belong. So how can I say in Christ alone, I am home? Because Christ protects us from the things of this world just like a family should. See, a true family is going to protect us from those that are around us. We talked about how we are secure. We are protected in Him. Let's look at the book of 2 Thessalonians. The 2 Thessalonians. We're going to be starting in chapter 3. We're going to be going through from verses 1 to 4. It says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord concerning you, both that you do and will do the things we command you. The Lord is faithful, committed to protecting His own, to providing for His own. That doesn't mean there's going to be all easy times. That doesn't mean everything is always going to be comfortable. But it does mean we have a safe place to go. Our family. The family of Christ. Now, if we all are not a part of Christ, if we all don't have that foundation we talked about, that's not a family. That's not a family. It's just a group that's gotten together. But if Christ is our foundation, if Christ is our home, then we all have the same goal. 
Now, just like a family, we might bicker, we might fight, we ha might have moments of division. But all in all, we'll go back to the same source. We'll go back to the same place. He protects us from the things of this world. But He also teaches us to live a better life, just like a family does. When you come into the world as a small child, you automatically understand everything, right? No, oftentimes that light socket looks really interesting. And that fork looks like it would fit just perfectly. We have families to protect us from our own stupidity. <laughs> to help us to grow, to learn, to teach us how to live a better life. We don't understand everything from the get-go. When we become a new Christian, we're just that, a babe in Christ. We have a lot of learning, a lot of growing to do, and that's why the family exists. Because we have older people who have done this much longer than you have. Now that could be age, or it could also be knowledge. One can be older in the faith because of what they've learned. Not necessarily because of how old they are. There's members of the Lord's church who are babes in Christ who are 80 years old. We learn from those who know, from those who are mature, from those who have grown and understood the Lord's will. He teaches us to live this better life, though. When Jesus came and walked upon this earth and was teaching those that were around Him, what He was teaching was something polar opposite from what the world was teaching. He said, I'm offering you a better way, a better life. In fact, throughout the Sermon on the Mount, oftentimes Jesus said, you've heard that it hath been said, but I say to you, because Jesus understood what he was bringing was better than anything they could come up with. There was going to be a better life available. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, if you would turn there, Matthew chapter 16. Let's start in verse 24 in particular. It says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? One issue that we almost have an epidemic of in our society is a lack of value in people. And it doesn't just apply to other people. It applies to, people, to dealing with people's selves. Oh, I'm not valuable. I'm not worth anything, so I don't need to set any boundaries for myself. It doesn't matter what I think. Everyone else is going to be okay. Or maybe we go to the other extreme. We say, I am the most important thing, and everyone else better get in line. Our soul is the most valuable thing we will ever own. And here's the reality on that. That is the only thing you own. You're the one who decides who you give it to. 
I can take that valuable soul that Jesus came to this earth and died for, and I can give it to anything but God. Or I can see that Christ sees my soul as valuable, and I can say He's the one that I want to give it to. I can live that better life in Him. The world is going to destroy me. It will give me nothing in return. But Christ offers everything. He teaches me to live a better life. But beyond that, Christ provides in time of need. He provides in time of need. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What was the context of that passage? Food, raiment, shelter, the things that you need to survive. David even said he's never seen the sons of God begging for bread because God provides for His own. He provides for what we need. When we follow after God, we don't have to worry about all the things of this world. Now, does that mean I'm going to go home today and there's magically going to be a million dollars sitting in my mailbox? Be nice, but no. It's not going to be the case. But I have a roof over my head. I have food in my belly. I will have the things that I need to survive. That's what Christ has offered us. He's going to provide in times of need. And how does He do that? Sometimes He provides from the people that we spend our time around. And if the people we spend our time around are followers of God, we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. I was talking to someone on one occasion... And I told them that you better be careful that you say you have a need around the group at Cookville. Be very careful because you might have 25 of whatever you said you needed. If we have Christ in mind, if we focus on Him, we don't have to worry. Because He's offered us a way of escape. He's offered us protection. He's offered us a better life. Jesus promised His servants a place where they can go. An eternal home in heaven. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 4. He said, My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. That wasn't just a promise to His disciples. He promised that for you and for me as well. If we're willing to follow after Him. But am I in Christ? See, all the things we talked about this morning only apply to those who are in Christ. Look at the title. In Christ alone. Anywhere else, I can't have this. But in Christ, in the life that He has offered, I have freedom, I have security, and I have a home. Have we made that decision? Maybe this morning you haven't become a member of this church. You haven't become a member of the Lord's family. You're not in Christ, and so these things do not apply to you. You can change that this morning. You can be one of His children. You can have all of these blessings. The choice 
remains yours. We have to follow after what he has said. Hearing the word, Romans 10, 17, believing it to be true, John 8, 24. Repenting of all of our past sins, Acts 17, 30. And confessing his name, Romans 10, 10. And that based upon that confession, we can be baptized into Christ, bearing that old man of sin, raised to walk in the newness of life, 1 Peter 3, 21. But maybe you're not sure yet. You're still trying to figure things out. You say, this sounds really great, but what's the catch? We're willing to sit down and study with you today. Because there's no reason to leave these doors unsure. There's no reason to go home worrying about where you're going to go. There's no reason to go home in bondage. No reason to go home with a lack of security. And there's no need to go to that house without having a spiritual home. But maybe you are a part of this. You are a member of the Lord's church, but maybe you started going back into that way of bondage like Paul was talking about. Maybe you have lost sight of the security and the freedom and the home that you have in Christ and started living after the world. He wants you to come back. He wants you to be a part of His family. That option is yours. If you have any need this morning, don't hesitate. Don't leave unsure. But come as together we stand as we sing.